Welcome to the Forest Podcast. Last week, our CEO Sunny had the privilege of being interviewed by Kieran Ryan of MoneyWeb. The interview is a great representation of our position to date and how we intend to tackle some upcoming challenges. We decided to re-release the episode on our platform just ahead of tonight's panel discussion, The Future of Money, hosted by Wits University and featuring Monica Singer of Consensus, Willie Lim from R3, and our very own Sunny Fisher. You'll find all the links you need in the description. Register below and we'll see you this evening. Enjoy the podcast. This is Crypto Radio, powered by MoneyWeb, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. A new digital exchange is about to be launched this week called Forus Digital. That's spelled F-O-R-U-S. It plans to list digital assets, and that includes equities, funds, debt-based instruments, forex, and in the near future, commodities. The exchange is also listing its own equity-based token called FDX. So, like the JSE, you can own a piece of the exchange. And on top of that, it's listing what is called the Forest Platform token called Mahala X. What does this new exchange mean? Is it a competitor to the JSE and other exchanges like A2X? Joining us to discuss this is the founder of the Forest Exchange, Sonny Fisher. First of all, welcome, Sonny. Let's start with the last point. Is Forest going to be a competitor to the JSE? Absolutely. Forest is a, an exchange where companies uh, the size uh, of which would consider listing on the JSE can raise capital, but it's also an exchange for smaller businesses, even for startups. Okay. So what size of company are you looking for? What, what kind of company would be, if you're a startup, is there a you minimum see, threshold? There's absolutely no minimum threshold because what we've done is we've combined equity and debt instruments on a single exchange using blockchain. So what that means is that if a business is too small for an equity investment, they may well qualify to participate in our bond market where they can borrow money and get debt finance and maybe only later grow to the size where they would consider equity. So what that means is a small business can get cheap business finance, working capital finance, and we don't take the individual's credit into account. We securitize a whole lot of small businesses into a single instrument that we list so, for example, we could take a thousand spazers, combine them together and finance them all using our exchange, using a token. And why we're able to do it and the, and the JSE can't do it is because with blockchain, we don't have the costs that you have in administrating shares like you do on the JSE. So the other thing is that we can trade these investment products with your phone now, just like that whole Robinhood GameStop story. So. What that means now is we can make more investment products available to small investors, and therefore we can make more investment alternatives uh, for companies who are looking for finance. We can offer them um, smarter finance uh, alternatives. So, you know, this starts to get into the, the, the realm of uh, decentralized finance where lots of small investors can now fund uh, businesses. So that's really the paradigm shift. Okay. Of course, that's been a barrier for any company. If you want to raise capital, you've got to have a certain amount of turnover. Yes, you do have venture capital and you've got lower minimum thresholds on the JSE. What you're doing is you're throwing this wide open, the Spaza shop. You can get 10 Spaza shops together in Soweto, for example. They can come together and they can join with 10 Spaza shops in Kailicha and they can come together and raise capital through Forest Exchange. Is that right? 
Exactly right. Another great example is the film industry. We're working with a whole bunch of filmmakers who are getting together to develop a whole bunch of film projects. Uh, one of the directors has got you know, a top movie on Netflix, a South African director. So what we're doing is we're putting together a whole lot of movie projects that we're securitizing that people can now invest in. And then as the movie sales you know, go wherever it's sold around the world, they get their dividend. And the technology makes that possible. Who does the marketing for that? I mean, if you're a Spaza shop owner and you might be interested in the story, how do you go about that? You know, How do you make contact with investors? So what we're doing is we're working through large member organizations organizations. So a lot of these people are already part of trade organizations or, you know, we're working with, for example, a a, a group of Somalian traders, a group out of a a taxi organization. So often you'll find that these communities, you know, already exist and they just need funding. And the traditional banks, you know, you can't even open a Stockfell account or a cooperative account at a commercial bank. It's impossible. So it's such an underserved market and, you know, blockchain is the ideal technology to, you know, put small investors together with, you know, small borrowers. So this is a vehicle, this exchange, the forest exchange is a vehicle for companies and organizations, I guess they want to raise capital. And now they can do it through you. Maybe explain why somebody would prefer forest exchange to more traditional vehicles. Why, do, you know, it might be easier for them to go to the bank. You've spoken about some of these that don't have bank accounts, well, but why would they use you? First of all, let's start there. Going to the bank is not an option. If you ask small business owners, um, the bank is the last place you're going to go to get finance. They don't understand what you do. They're looking for collateral. They want to lend money to people who don't need it. They do not take commercial risk, and they don't even understand your business. We've got a completely different approach. What happens when you're looking for funding on our platform is we have a network of, we call them mavens. It's uh, 2,500 people who've uh, invested $1,000 each who uh, help us fast-track investments. So we'll identify by throwing some mentors or industry experts at you to help understand where you are in your funding process and help you get to the next stage. Because this is what we need to do. If we want to get serious about getting this country going again and growing, this is the method to do it. This is what's going to get um, our local economies going again. So we want to get the best projects in as quickly as possible. We want to sift through them with real experts who are committed to fast pace action. We want to get it funded. And then the other big difference between our exchange and the JSE, I'll use Steinhoff as an example. Steinhoff was able to pull the wool over everybody's eyes because they, they're working with accrued numbers and reporting, and it's all just um, numbers added up at the end of the day. We're with our platform, because it's on blockchain, we can provide real-time data on the performance of the company or companies. So we know exactly how much stock that those spazes would have, what they're turning over, and that gives the investors you know, um, real confidence that they can see that their money is being spent well, what the returns are like, and it also, from a market point of view, it gives you data to trade on, um, which will bring a lot more liquidity to, um, to the market. Just talk about that point about real-time data. There's been a lot of talk about real-time audits, which, of course, the technology already exists for that. It hasn't been implemented very widely. Are you saying, again, take the example of the Spaza shops. Would they be reporting their stats, their sales daily onto the blockchain? Well, you see, they wouldn't have to report it because it'll do it automatically because they're running their bank account and we're running their inventory all on the blockchain. So as they order stock from suppliers, all of that process happens on our on our blockchain and we don't give them the finance. We don't give the Spaza owner the money. We give him the facility. So he goes to the wholesaler and we pay the wholesaler for the goods. And that significantly reduces the risk of money being misappropriated. You know, somebody's desperate, somebody's sick. You give them a loan with cash, it might not all get spent on stock. 
So these are all the things that the technology allows us to do to help mitigate the risk, which, you know, the, the old commercial bank model and really, you know, wasn't able to do. Am I correct in saying that someone can own a piece of the exchange by purchasing this FDX token? And it's rather like somebody who wants to own a piece of the JSE. You can buy JSE shares on the exchange. Absolutely. And that's, you know, key to our model, because essentially we're creating a utility that, um, you know, the world needs to get business back to work. But our whole model is that it should be cooperatively owned and the people who invest in it, who are going to utilize it, can also benefit from the capital appreciation from, you know, putting an exchange like this together. So it's also going to be an incredibly good investment because um, not only are we doing equity and bond, you know, finance, uh, we also are a forex exchange. So why do we do that? Well, the whole exchange is built on a single architecture of blockchain that will be um, running on central bank issued digital currency. So let's unpack that. What we're saying is that today central banks issue money, paper money and notes. And that's, you know, each country has its own sovereign currency or a euro if you're part of the eurozone. Those central banks are now going to replace that paper money with digital money. Exactly the same principle. So with paper money, when I pay you, it comes from my wallet to your wallet. There's no bank involved. It's from me to you. Digital money will work exactly the same way. So it sits in a blockchain wallet and in my wallet. And when I pay you, it goes from my wallet to your wallet. There's no bank. There's no intermediary involved. And that um, is a fundamental paradigm shift because you've not been able to do that up to now digitally. You've only been able to do it with paper money. And that's going to make a massive network of people who who didn't have access to digital money will now have access to it because it's free, just like paper money. So we've taken a long-term view. You know, we've been working on this project now for over 10 years, and we've built an exchange that's built on top of these new payment rails that are being rolled out by the biggest central banks in the world. And what it does is it significantly drops the cost of doing business and the cost of raising capital and gives us the ability to raise significant capital that we can distribute to developing countries. Because we can monitor it, it's fully traceable, it eliminates corruption, and and it, it drives massive efficiencies into some of the most inefficient supply chains in the world, right? So this is going to be one of the key tools tools in the in the fight against you know this covid uh, the financial impact of covid uh, in africa it certainly sounds like a very ambitious project the forest digital exchange comes at a time when the world's leading economies are recognizing and legislating to enable a swift and clean adoption of what is called distributed ledger technology or dlt now australia new zealand canada and switzerland are among the leaders in that and in january just this year we saw major international institutional acceptance of digital currencies can you explain to our listeners what is meant by distributed ledger technology and what this means for the future of the financial system? Well, I think simply put, the way that the current banking system works is each bank is responsible for storing your balance on their computer system. So what that means is every single bank that has customers um, needs to have an IT department, um, a compliance department, et cetera, et cetera. So the cost of doing business is replicated across the 35,000 banks in the MasterCard network. Now, that's just not efficient. That would be equivalent to having like 35,000 versions of Facebook, right? So now with the technology exists today, with the scale of computing that we have and the reach of the internet, we can now give um, 
you, Kieran Ryan, your own box where you can keep your bank balance, your medical records, and anything else that you want to share with uh, the public or with uh, you know an audience at some point. And we can store it all in one place um, that's yours, that you look after, that you decide who gets to see what. And now we only have to keep that information in one place. What that does in terms of the complexity of doing business, if you're a mathematician, if you've got you know, maybe 15 organizations who you would deal with on any one time, your insurance, your bank, your short-term insurance, you've got unit trust, all of these organizations are replicating you and your data. They have to protect it. They have to encrypt it. It gets hacked. Now, we as an exchange offer it as a public utility, a place where everybody can just keep their data securely and you're in control of it. It's a little bit like, you know, a Gmail, but for, for banking. Okay. We spoke about the, the token FDX. There's another token you mentioned here, and it's a platform token called Mahala X. Just explain, what is that? So Mahala X, um, on Madiba's 100th birthday, um, it was about three, four years ago, um, you know, it's um, in, in the spirit of his 67-minute campaign, we decided to give 67% of the exchange away to the community. And the way that we did that was we created the Mahala X token. So the Mahala X token is actually represents 20% of the cash flow that comes into the entire ecosystem gets paid to the community. So in other words, what we attempted to do with that was create a universal basic income or a, a sovereign wealth fund where all of the people of Africa who get together and sign up for this platform get a dividend every month because we're going to make a lot of money from the customers outside of Africa who use it. So this is a way to encourage people to adopt the platform and it's also a way to harness the one asset we have in Africa, and that's our people. Um, so we have the ability to create the next Visa and MasterCard and have it owned by the African people. So that's what the Mahala X token is. And when we started it, it started at 50 cents, which was about three years ago. Today, it's trading at $100. And we've made uh, quite a few millionaires along the way, people who invested in the community um, and um, it worked really well. So we, we're going to make a lot of uh, Africans wealthy um, by you know, using this as an opportunity to create a balance sheet. And the, the beauty now is that we've got the model to market. We're going to replicate it in Asia and we're going to create an Asian wealth fund and an Indian wealth fund. And this is a model that we can replicate you know, throughout the developing world as we bring digital um, technology to these uh, these countries and these territories. Just explain again, how does somebody earn uh, the Mahala X token? So um, you, at the moment, um, the way that we've been selling the Mahala X tokens is through our Maven network. So Mavens um, pay $1,000 and get 10 Mahala uh, X tokens. And that's um, how we've been doing the sales. And it's now with the exchange going onto the open market. So people will be able to, in their For Us app, uh, buy and sell Mahala token, as well as the, the new FDX token. And, you know, that one started at a dollar. I think with the MHX uh, going past a hundred dollars, I'm pretty confident that the FDX is going to, you know, outshine that. So we have um, tens of thousands of customers all over the world um, who trade our tokens every day. We're very strong in Asia, Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia. So, you know, this is a global business. Is this a world first that you've done here? It is a world first um, because what we're doing is we're creating a marketplace where everybody can come together. This is the Steve Jobs moment. You know, the central banks need it. The commercial banks need it. The insurance companies need it. COVID recipients need it. We all need a way to do business that's free and easy. 
it will open up the fourth industrial revolution and we all need access to capital. So this is becoming a global project. You know, we're working with the central banks around the world. Everybody's realized that this is the moment that, you know, we need to act because we need to do the bring down the cost of doing business. We need to drive financial inclusion because it's going to become an existential threat. You know, we're in a war zone. Um, if you look at the economic impact and who it's impacting, a big portion of the workers that have been laid off are foreigners. So people who are working in, uh, as migrant laborers and sending money back home. For example, the Zimbabwean um, hospitality you know, in South Africa is largely driven by Zimbabwean workers. So they now can't send money back home. So that has an impact on the Zimbabwean economy. We're only starting to see the impact of that. So it's really important that we roll out this platform so that we can actually get those economies um, back to life because we don't want to hand out food relief. We want to hand out money so we can keep those economies going. So, you know, as the crisis gets worse, um, this is going to become more important. And I think it's, it's put everybody's greed and everybody wants to own the customer. Well, the reality is no one can. We need to share. The customer needs to own themselves, their own data and be in control of it. And we need to share the infrastructure. We can't roll out a thousand different blockchains. It's just not cost effective. Let's, you know, roll out a common infrastructure. Let's collaborate and everybody will benefit. It's like, you know, SaaSwitch. Can you imagine if you had to go to your bank to go, you know, to draw money? It had to be your bank. When ATMs first started, there weren't enough ATMs in the network. As soon as they did that and you could go to anyone, it just changed the game. We need to do the same thing here. We can't continue to follow the same model where we're driving financial exclusion, not inclusion, and where the gap continues to get bigger and bigger. We need productive lending. We need the, the local economies to get going again. It's not about building a plant in a SEZ or a some project. It's about getting local community, growing food, um, local markets getting started, investing in some uh, local retail, and you know building up the economies where people live. We need to get back to basics. Okay. Somebody who's interested in this, where should they go? How do they access you? Um, the best is uh, to go to exchange.forus.co.za and all your investment uh, uh, options are there. Um, you can become a maven. You can see what uh, instruments you can invest in and you can find out more. But really, uh, I'd encourage uh, people who understand what's coming and see the opportunities of the fourth industrial revolution to become mavens and, and invest that 15,000 rand now because not only do you become a shareholder and do you benefit from the tokens, et cetera, but you come part of an elite network of two and a half thousand people who think like we do, who are embracing the change and you're saying we need to define what the economic system of the future looks like because that's what this kind of technology allows. It's no longer up to the banks or the hedge funds. Yes, they have a seat at the table, but so do cooperatives, spazas, uh, and, you know, tech companies, there, there are a lot of amazing South African fintech companies that could be exploding onto the world stage. But the problem is that they can't get into the game because of the commercial banks here. Getting a sponsoring bank to sponsor a fintech product is nearly impossible. And it's understandable because they don't want to take the risk. So we need a new regime uh, of investment where these companies can get funded. You know, because I travel the world, I've lived in the States, uh, Caribbean, I traveled the world for the last 10 years. And every week I would bump into a South African in a, in a senior position in banking and payments. But they're working for Canadian companies or American companies. 
you know, here's an opportunity for us to develop our own industry and uh, um, run banking, you know, for the continent. We have the expertise, we have the talent. You know, there's, there's just so much opportunity in the space. Look what Kenya did with M-Pesa. Now, that's what South Africa can do with for us. It's an opportunity to become a, a market leader in blockchain to drive the industry. And we also have an incredibly progressive um, reserve bank who are at the cutting edge of um, um, this, this whole field. Um, I think we just need to give the political support so that we can actually lead in legislation and, and lead in the implementation of this across the African Union. There's so much opportunity for this technology. It could, could really be a game changer for the continent. And, you know, we're leading that charge. Uh, Sonny, just uh, for people who don't know, you were an early developer of, of QR payment technology in South Africa and around the world. You've got some uh, credo here. You've got some credibility. How will these digital exchanges and tokens that we've been talking about that will be traded on the forest exchange, how is that going to impact the ability to make payments in Africa particularly? Well, you see, with, with our technology, we have what we call an SQR or a secure QR code. And we've built a, a common platform that all of the different tokens can use, but a common identity. Because the problem with, with crypto, and you know, we, we identified this 10 years ago that this was going to happen, and, and hence we developed the technology. Um, if you've got someone who's paying out of a Bitcoin wallet to somebody who's got an Ethereum wallet, it's all anonymous. So that's a really big problem when you're doing real business, Right. I need to know who I'm paying and I need to know who's paying me because I'm responsible. I can't accept payments from, you know, money launderers. And so we've created a secure identity that secures QR codes. It's almost like a, a digital certificate uh, for, for mobile phones. And we um, made that open source and it's um, now rolling out as part of the central bank open standard. So we have a QR code that's interoperable is really what, uh, what that all means, right? So now it doesn't matter who you bank with or whether you're a M-Pesa customer, whether you're with NetBank or whether you're with For Us, our QR codes can be used across all of those platforms. Mm -hmm. And what that's going to do is completely open up payments in Africa because um, only Kenya has really seen the success with M-Pesa, and that's largely because Safaricom had 80% market share. Your biggest problem in payments is you know you need ubiquity. So in a situation like in South Africa where MTN and Vodacom have 50% market share or 25, 25, it's not enough for an Impesa to become ubiquitously used. So you know the problem with the payment thing is if you go to one store and they don't accept it, then you don't want to use it anymore. So that was the barrier that that you know one had to overcome. So now that we we're seeing the mass adoption of QR codes, now we need a standard. Um, and that's what, you know, for us is all about. And because of our business model and the way that we fund ourselves through advertising, all of this is provided free of charge. So we run this free um, authentication network that keeps uh, everybody honest and makes sure that um, we know who we're doing business with. And that's the game changer. So, you know, that's our secret sauce um, that, uh, you know, has seen us here at the at the seat at the table with the central banks because, you know, that was a big missing piece to making this work on a global scale. All right. Final question here. Give us a sense. What kind of activities we're going to see occurring on the forest exchange within the next two to three years? What's your vision? How's this going to look three years from now? <clears throat> you know, I, I don't have an idea. No. I'll tell you why. Because what we're going to see now is we're opening up our platform to developers, 
So if you have a financial services product or an investment product, um, you can use our wallet to develop your product with because there's no opportunity for developers to steal because the, the you know it's not like Visa and MasterCard where you have to worry about fraudulent transactions because customers have to push money out their wallets. So it's 100% secure. So what I expect is we're going to see a massive um, growth in all sorts of investment products and innovative fintech um, solutions that we won't be developing ourselves because now we're opening this up to an ecosystem who are hungry for it because developers who are listening will know that to integrate into the banks is a nightmare. It's a two-year process and, oh, my goodness, the hoops and the meetings and the compliance and the, re- you know, it's so expensive. It takes so long um, and uh, you have no control over the process. Now we offer them the exact opposite. So what's it going to look like in three years? I think um, um, I, it's just going to grow exponentially. And what, what, I, what I see over the next 25 years is with the um, unblocking of, of capital, with the ability to provide every business, doesn't matter how big or small, with capital, some assistance, expertise, mentorship, and then access to markets. We can, in one generation, eradicate poverty. And it sounds so crazy to say it, but I remember, um, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, um, you know, in the 80s, one thought apartheid was never going to end. One was despondent and couldn't imagine a world where, you know, my granddaughter today, um, it's not an issue. We, in one generation, we um, performed a miracle. And the reason we were able to is because every element of society set about transforming. Now we have the opportunity to do the same thing economically and to bring everybody into the economy because, let's face it, it's still you know largely uh, white-owned capital, um, um, white-owned agriculture, and we need to just unlock that. It's not about giving people um, anything but the same opportunities. So capital, mentorship, and markets, and that's what the, the exchange is about. So I, I fully expect that in the next couple of years, this is going to spread uh, across the continent and across the world. And it's a new finance model because we also don't charge interest. Uh, we have a much better model that um, allows us to take a percentage of turnover rather than interest payment. So I think it's going to spread fast. Um, we've done our homework. We've got some amazing partners around the world. And I think this is an idea whose time has come. Great story, very inspiring, and uh, wishing you the best of luck. That was Sonny Fisher, who is the founder of the Forest Exchange.